Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 206. Today, we've got the immense pleasure of having as our guest, Jack Slingerland of Kernel.us. Jack? Hi, thanks for having me. Cool. Uh, for, and I also want to introduce my co-host, with Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan? Oh, hi there, folks. Um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a support maintenance company that only works with WordPress. We're your trusted partner, aren't we, John? Very trusted. Um, diving right into the uh, interview, I want to ask you, Jack, how did you first get started with development? Is this something you started early on or uh, how did that come about? <laughs> That's a great question. So I've been doing development professionally for about 10 years now. Um, but prior to that, as a young fledgling nerd, I, um, <laughs> I used to build websites like back in 99. Um, like my first website I built, I think I was in like seventh grade or something like that. And I built a Star Wars website because who doesn't build Star Wars websites? Um, you know, it's in frames. I had like the star background, MIDI that played automatically and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got my start. And if you actually want to see that, you can go to my blog and I restored it from the web archive. It's actually pretty fun to take a look at it and get some nostalgia points. Awesome. Um, yeah. But after that, I was, uh, I figured I really like this web stuff and I went to college and got my degree in computer science and it just kind of snowballed from there. Very good. Um, you know, I want to ask you, you know, your main product, uh, Kernel, how did that get started and what need were you trying to fill in the market? Yeah, sure. So um, I don't really do a ton of WordPress development anymore. For like the first five years of my career, I did PHP and WordPress almost exclusively. Um, and back then, I was working at a marketing agency and we had a whole bunch of different WordPress sites. They were hosted in like a a huge array of different setups in different places. And I was, I kept thinking that it is really hard to update themes and plugins on these sites. Like it is just a huge pain to do that. Um, and I thought it would be really great if I could hook into a WordPress update system and do that instead. Um, but that was in, I think 2010 when I like had that idea, maybe 2011. And I just, I never did it. I thought that's like got busy things happen. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I was looking for a learning project. I wanted to learn more about the, the Node.js of Mongo, some front-end development technologies. And I was like, I need a project. So that's, that's how I learned things best. And I remember the WordPress update idea I had. Uh, so I poked around the internet, found that there was really just one other person out there doing that, WP Updates. You guys probably have heard or remember them. Um, and I was like, well, I mean, it works for them. I'm going to give it a go and see how it goes. Worst comes to worst, I'll at least learn some things. So that that's kind of how I started doing kernel. Excellent. Uh, and one question I want to ask you too, uh, when it comes to that, you know, for those who don't know uh, what kernel is, like go into a little bit more detail about what it is and, and how it works. Yeah, sure. So kernel lets you... Um, 
Sorry, I should have my elevator pitch ready for this. Kernel <laughs> uh, lets you hook into WordPress update system with your own private plugins and themes. So if you need to push an update out, it will look just like a regular update that comes from the WordPress repository. Um, and that's really the, the core product, like providing plugin and theme updates for people. Um, there's a bunch of like tertiary things around it, uh, like push to build. So you can wire up you know, like your Bitbucket and GitHub account. And as soon as you push a new version, it will automatically package it up, deploy it to kernel and the update goes out. So that's, that's pretty neat. Um, just like license management, things like that. But the, the core pro the core product is just themes and updates, providing updates for them. Cause there are a lot of themes uh, and plugins that can't be listed in the WordPress repository. For instance, you know, you work at a marketing company, and you're building themes for like some Fortune 500 corporation, they're not gonna let you list that theme in the WordPress plugin repository. Or, you know, if you're a premium plugin developer, you obviously don't wanna list your, you know, hard work there either, unless you have like a freemium thing going. That's, a, that's another situation. So, so basically to sum up, it gives you uh, a place to have updates that's private uh, so if, if you're like a premium seller or if you're doing like private work, it allows people to have, uh, like a private production deployment. Yeah, that's correct. Cool, cool, cool. So when you were first designing this product, did you look at a product like WP updates and take that as market validation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that. I saw what they were doing. And I was like, well, at least someone's doing it. I, so I don't really need to do too much research there. Um, I think that when people are doing research on a product they're going to build, they, they start to worry when they see that someone out there is already doing that. But I think people forget that markets are pretty large, especially WordPress. I mean, I mean, like a quarter of the web runs on WordPress. Like, there's there's plenty of room for everybody, especially if you differentiate yourself and do a really good job of, you know, what you're building. So yeah, I did take it as market validation. Um, but like I said, when I started it, it was a learning project. I didn't I didn't go in expecting to you know make money or have customers or anything like that. But it just kind of turned out that way in the beginning. <laughs> So, you know, when did you, when did you realize that kernel uh, US was going to be a product that, that you could actually have a viable uh, side income from? Um, oh, man. So I think I never, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, I, I don't know, I'm pretty self-deprecating. I never thought it would, honestly. I was like, oh, no one's going to give me money. It'd be crazy. Um, but it turns out that when I, after I had like the MVP done, I posted it on like Hacker News, Reddit, a couple forums on Twitter, things like that. And, you know, I had like this flood of like 20 or 30 people sign up for it. And I was like, whoa, people are actually interested in this. And then people actually, and back then it was just as it an alpha and it was like a private alpha. So like people couldn't pay for it, nor would I let them at that point because it just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't in great shape. Um, and as soon as they signed up, I was like, man, this could actually be a, a real thing people are willing to pay for. So I think that was like the first realization that it might be something serious. Um, and then the next realization was after I went through the alpha and then I exited the beta, I had like, I don't know, maybe like 20 active users at that point. And when I sent out the email saying, all right, guys, we're switching it from beta to like full on, you know, GA, 
here's where you sign up and put your credit card and people actually did it. That was, that was a big moment. I was, <laughs> my wife and I went out to dinner that night. So that was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a neat experience going from people just dinking around with your alpha and beta to them actually giving you money. And that brings up a, a, a great thing. When, when you were first launching it, um, you had a, kind of a tight scope and you were solving a specific problem. You know, what sort of advice around that area would you give people who are trying to develop their first either WordPress product or services as software product? Mm, I would say um, first, the first thing would be like, listen to your customers. Like once you actually have them, listen to them. But prior to that, um, ruthlessly cut scope, just cut scope away from the product as much as you can until you're at like a very core thing. Like I wanted to be able to have plugin and theme updates at first. And I didn't even do that. I just went just for plugins. Like that's the minimally viable piece that I had. And to do that, I had to have, you know, a web server. So I built just the minimum boilerplate around that. And on the front end, like I didn't even have like password resets or anything or, or like a side up, like people would just send an email and I'd like I'd spin up an account for them. So it was, it was very, very minimal. And I mean, if you follow like the lean, lean startup and lean like product methodologies, that's, that's more or less what's preached. Um, but it's really in practice, it's kind of hard to do, you know, you see possibilities and you just want to dive into them. And like I've, I've numerous times throughout the process, like I'd, I'd start like writing some code that was not necessary and I have to reel myself back in. But, and it was worth it though, you know, being able to focus on one thing and then that eventually led to slowly expanding scope, but it's definitely ruthlessly cut scope. That was one lesson I learned pretty, pretty early on. One thing that, that is very interesting in what you said is uh, you were talking about early days, you were manually spinning up accounts for people. And one of the things that I've heard you mention before is when you're first launching, sometimes taking on technical debt is a necessity, if only to just get things done and get to the finish line of, of pushing something out. Do you want to talk and expand a little bit on that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm one of those super pragmatic people when it comes to coding. Like I don't, I don't follow, like I don't have any like zealot tree when it comes to like programming languages or paradigms or frameworks. Uh, I mostly just want to get things done. And that is, it's, it's hard to do as a, as a like good engineer to take on technical debt, but knowing when to do it is also really important. Um, I think when you're building out an MVP product, take on all the technical debt you can, like you'll pay it back later if it's successful, but if it's not successful, you're out with nothing. Um, and that was, that was a big realization for me. Like for the alpha, I, I, don't even, I wouldn't, I don't even want to explain how bad the code base looked. <laughs> but once I realized that it was actually a, a product that people would use, you know, I started paying the technical debt back, but I wouldn't ever have done it before then. Like in, during the beta, I focused solely on paying technical debt, like getting a build process down so I could deploy in, in one, one key press, you know, having a huge amount of unit integration tests because people are actually using it, relying on it building out the infrastructure so it's more reliable, et cetera, et cetera, you know, things like that. But in the, in the beginning, like take on all the debt you can. And if there are solutions available and you can afford them, buy them, like don't build them yourself. It's a waste of time. 
So the alpha is the alpha release is really just about market validation, and then the beta release is is more about paying back that technical debt. Yeah, in, in my case, it was. Some people might think might structure the release differently, but for me, it was very much market validation, um, technical debt reconciliation, and then you know launching more publicly. How do how do you find uh, time and and energy to uh, you know first start a side project when when you've got like a full time life going on? Yeah, so that's that one's kind of hard. Um, I have <laughs> that's really hard actually. Um, I try and spend an hour a night working on it. Um, at the beginning, it was kind of hard to even get that. Like, I mean, right now I don't have kids, so I do not have that as far as like a time, time suck goes in the best way possible. <laughs> uh, but um, so I started out trying to do it like an hour a night. Um, and my wife wasn't really too keen on that because she's like, you're at work, you know, eight hours a day, we should hang out and things like that. But then when we started making money, that was a little more easy to justify. <laughs> uh, but most of my time I spent working on it was on the weekends. I get up very early, like I'm up at 6 a.m. every day, even on the weekends. My wife sleeps until like 9.30 on the weekends. So I had like this three and a half hour block on every Saturday and Sunday where I could just, you know, dive in and get things done. But that also meant that I needed to know exactly what I was going to be doing in that time period. Um, so having a decent sense of what you need to do and then planning out how to do it was really important to kind of optimally use my time. No, totally, totally. Uh, another thing that I want to uh, circle, well, actually, you know what, let's go to our break and then, and then we'll continue from there. Um, so we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Jack Slingerland of kernel.us. See you in a second. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break. We're talking more with Jack Slingerland of Kernel.us. One thing that I wanted to circle back uh, to that we were talking about in the first. Uh, part of the interview was goal setting. And and one of the things that you were talking about is when you initially made the launch, people were putting in their credit card information. You and your uh, wife went out to dinner. So that was goal. That was your first goal. So goal number two, uh, you know, how did, how did you kind of slowly expand the goals up? Yeah. So I, I, I've done a whole bunch of other side projects in the past. Most of them were learning. Some of them were trying to be, you know, startups. I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> you know, you don't know what you don't know. So you learn that the hard way. Um, but this, this project, I was like, I need to have reasonable goals. The first goal was I want to learn the technologies that I'm using. Cause at the very least that would be useful in my career. So, you know, yay, that worked. Um, the second goal when people actually started using it was <laughs> I want to, I wanted my goals to be realistic. Like it's okay to have like, you know, really like lofty goals. Like I want to take down competitor X, but realistically that's not going to happen. Um, 
So it's better to have like less lofty goals that you can actually achieve and then move on to the next one. So I tried to do reasonable goals. My first one was I want to be able to take my wife and I out to dinner once a month and not like McDonald's, something actually like nice. <laughs> um, and when that happened, I was like, okay, what's the next one? And I was like, car payment? Sure. So that one took a little longer, but you know, I could take my wife and I out to dinner and make a car payment. And the next goal, which I'm not quite there yet, is, you know, pay the mortgage on my house for a month. And, you know, the goal after that will probably be something along the lines of mortgage plus bills. And then after that, it's like, hey, I can quit my job. So, <laughs> those, you know, I try and set, like, you know, goals that are reasonable and are actually achievable. Otherwise, you know, if you're just like, I want to get to a million in revenue a year, you know, from the start, it's, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Definitely. And something else I wanted to circle back to that, that you touched on just really briefly, and, and that's the uh, imposter syndrome. And, and it's really uh, something that, that uh, afflicts a lot of us. Um, you know, how, do, how did you deal with imposter syndrome? Obviously, you've got a successful product out there right now, but, but you know, how do you deal with it and, and how widespread do you see that being in our industry? Um, gosh, I would say it's, it's fairly widespread in our industry. I think the, I think the best developers that I know have imposter syndrome. I think we're, I think we're all very, very careful and humble. Like we don't like to think that we're better than anybody or our products better than anybody. We think that it could fail at any time. Um, but I think that through experience, you learn to be confident to just not at the cost of anything else. Like it's okay to be confident in your product. Like I built a product that is making money. You know, I'm confident in my ability to do that, at least for this product, maybe not for another one, but uh, just for kernel, you know, I'm confident in it and I'm confident in what I know, but I'm, but I also know that I don't know everything. So you have to, you have to balance between like being humble and being confident. And I, I feel like people in our industry tend to, um, go, you know, more towards imposter syndrome than they do confidence. I really think we would all benefit if everyone was just a little bit more confident. <laughs> I, I think it afflicts developers uh, more than other people in the industry. And it might just be like, you know, how people fall on the spectrum of, of like what kind of uh, skills and temperament th that they have. Because uh, people who are more like pure developers like yourself, they, they tend to be more into that and that leads me to my next that leads me to my next question which is as a developer you, you know how did you get out there and and start to market your product how difficult was that oh man that's that's the toughest one for me i'm uh i'm a super introvert uh my wife pokes fun at me for it occasionally and it's it's tough really tough like you have to be able to just accept rejection really well and that's that's hard for an introvert I mean, it's hard for anybody but for an introvert who's like putting themselves out there for the first time getting the getting rejected is is really hard but you just have to do it <laughs> um like for me the first bit of marketing that i ever did for kernel was on twitter like i just i more or less spammed the wordpress hashtag and you know Someone complained about that, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> and that, that was really it. You know, I, I put it out there in Hacker News, and if you've ever been there, you know the commenters there are just absolutely ruthless. Uh, so if you if you can survive the Hacker News comments or, you know, like the, the Reddit, subreddit comments, you're probably fine. Like, just <laughs> if you can grow thick enough 
about skin through that. Like, just put yourself out there. It'll, it'll be fine. Like nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and that was, that was a hard realization to come by, but you kind of gain experience doing it. And it hurts less every time. Yeah. Don't read the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Don't read the comments. Oh man. It, there's, it's just flames nonstop. <laughs> I've, I've got a question. Um, you know, most of the, you know, most of the things you read is that um, a lot of people get totally overwhelmed when they're one shop like yourself trying to build something really fantastic. You get inundated with support tickets. So is it, uh, has that been a problem or been the people you're aiming the product at are mostly other developers? Has this not been a major problem? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of ebbed and flowed, uh, when, and, and I think that the way I structured like the release of kernel kind of helped me with that. Um, when it was an alpha, like I had no obligation to do anything, right? Like it was just like, Hey, this is an alpha product. It's going to have bugs, help me fix them. And we will, you know, be, get, be better together. Um, and, you know, when I went into beta, I started writing a ton of unit integration tests. I wanted, I wanted ultimately for support not to consume my life. Um, you know, so writing a whole bunch of tests to make sure that the product was stable and did what it's supposed to do. Um, I also have extensive documentation so people can help themselves, um, which seems to help a lot. Like, I think most developers, which, you know, the kernel is targeted at because it's a developer tool, would much rather read the documentation than reach out to somebody and, you know, deal with the person. Um, so I, I tried to make those two things very good. And then, you know, the third thing was as soon as a support request comes in, I try and answer it as fast as possible, even if I don't have an answer, just, just to get it on my plate and let them know that, you know, you're heard, I'm working on it, uh, you know, here's an ETA. And then as far as like organizing things, I have a Trello board and I have a backlog that has so many things in it. But, you know, you, you, I go through it probably once a month and reorganize things, drop things off that aren't relevant anymore, and I just pull from the top. You know, I, you, you, have to, you have to try and not get overwhelmed. And being very active about managing your workflow is one of those, one of those things that you have to do. Yeah, it was um, actually one part of my WP team um, – one of my developers that um, suggested your product to us um, and we've been using it ourselves and it's fantastic. But oh, the, uh, oh yeah. Uh, um, so the support, um, the support documentation, that's rare for a developer to really spend time on documentation. And it's one of the things that impresses me about your product. So was that a real conscious decision that based on your past experience using other people's products? Yeah, absolutely. I find um, I did a lot of work in the Python and Django ecosystem. And if you've ever used Django or heard of it, its documentation is second to none. And that is probably one of my favorite projects ever, just because you can find out how to do anything from something trivial to something very like obtuse. And it's always, it's always there. It's always easy to find. And that is something I wanted to have kernel be. I wanted it to be like self-serve. Um, and you know, if, if it never gets to the point where I can quit my job and I'm, and I'm tired of working on it for some reason, I would love to be able to just, you know, let it coast on its own and people can help themselves as much as, as much as they want with me just doing like regular maintenance work. But yeah, the documentation thing was a very conscious decision because 
Um, I didn't want to have to deal with handful every single customer that signs up into trying to you know get their products set up. That's great. So, what's what's the future for the product in the next six to twelve months? Are there any major improvements that you're you got on the roadmap or things that you would like to do? Yeah, I um, I've been thinking about kind of expanding the the license management portion of Kernel. Um, that was kind of a it was kind of a bolt on. Uh, it was like it was a customer request initially. That's another thing that's worth talking about. Uh, most of Kernel's features were customer requests, so always listen to your customers. Um, and that, but I would really like to flesh out license management more. I feel like there's a lot of lot of work I could do there, and it seems reasonably popular amongst a subset of customers. So I think it'd be a, a big, a big win for me. Uh, and, but I've, I just finished uh, the feature flagging feature, which was a really long, long slog. So I'm, I'm kind of taking a couple weeks off from kernel just to, just to like simmer down and so I can get some energy and then dive back into it. Yeah. Um, well, we, uh, we basically use it for, um, the integration, the continuous get deployment. That's what we're using it for, actually. Yeah, the, that's a that's been a really popular feature. That's a that's another one that I want to get a make a little bit better. Like I think once you have everything set up, it works you know as expected. But I'd like to get to the point where um, you know I can automatically create the webhooks that you need to like trigger trigger builds and things like that. Like I'd really like it to be like press a button select your plugin or theme and you're done and it'll just work, you know, maybe, you know, tell you if you don't have like the kernel.version file in it, or, you know, maybe you want to add the change log.json file, that sort of stuff. So there's, there's a lot of incremental improvements that I, I plan on making over the rest of the year, but I don't have any huge brand new big bang features. Um, I, I would also kind of like to refresh the landing page i feel like I have, I have enough features now that it could probably be multiple pages yeah i think i think so so um what's what's the main thing you've learned so far through this process oh gosh um that's a good question uh i think be patient uh, and listen to your customers are probably the the biggest things like and also scope like just you have to cut scope all the time like I, I mean i learned that in my day job but not having a you know a team around you telling you hey you're going off the rails and you need to cut scope it's it's a very good it's a very good and very hard experience like to cut scope on your own and then you know, the customers have been amazing like kernel's customers are just great people they're really they're really great to interact with they're helpful like they have a problem they email me and we get we get through it so like i think that it's kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit <laughs> um from a from a business perspective like a lot of you hear horror stories of like you know awful customers doing awful things and i just i haven't had that experience and i think that that is partially because the wordpress community is so i don't know it's like human you know it's every everybody realizes that there's a there's a person behind the keyboard and tries to keep it civil which is quite refreshing yeah keep it civil we're gonna wrap it up now folks for the podcast podcast part of the show um we'll be continuing our discussion um which you'll be able to see on the wp tonic youtube channel or on the website and there'll be a full set of show notes um and uh, transcription 
of the show on the WP Tonic website. So, Jake, <coughs> I'm almost losing my voice there. Um, how can people get hold of you? Um, you can email me at jack at colonel.us uh, or you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Jack Slingerland. That's great. And um, John, how do people get hold of you? You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore. How do the fine people get a hold of you, Jonathan? It's quite simple, folks. You can get me on Twitter. Um, that's at Jonathan Denwood. You can also get me on the Facebook, the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got all the videos um, on the Facebook page as well. And you could email me. I do answer my email personally, not straight away, but I do answer. And that's at Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. And you do the ending because you always do the endings much better. Okay. Yeah. So, and again, reminding people, if you're getting value from this show, be sure to leave a review in iTunes. We would definitely appreciate it. And for the WP Tonic Posse, in effect, we're saying peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.